You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. All right, everybody, you are listening to the Rolex-wearing, diamond-ring-wearing, kiss-stealing, wheeling-dealing, limousine-riding, jet-flying, son-of-a-gun, and I'm having a hard time holding these alligators down. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast. Hopefully, everybody has had a great week. It's Friday, and uh, as you can tell, I'm a little fired up today. I hope I didn't blow the speakers out in wherever you're listening to this podcast, but uh, happy Friday. Hopefully you guys have had a great week. Um, I'll be honest, uh, I had some technical difficulties this week, got them figured out though, Um, so sorry I missed the podcast that I typically launch on Wednesday, but I'm going to make it up to you today. We have Tim Chekorowski with Prime Archery, and he's going to be on the podcast today talking about all things Prime, and uh, yeah, so that's what we're going to be talking about today. I tell you, I've picked up a little side project, and um, I've seen a lot of people online, uh, we even had a, a past podcast about sound dampening your uh, your running gun tree stand and I went to the store and um, I bought some undercoating it's a vehicle undercoating but it's rubberized so I went and I took apart one of my tree stands and I've applied it to a handful of the parts and I am gonna, I'm waiting for it to dry right now and as soon as it does dry I'll put it back together and Maybe I'll continue the tree stand with it. I just want to see how durable it is. I want to see if it really does uh, dampen the sound. I I might actually need to put a second coat on. We will see. But uh, that's the goal is to mess around with my running gun setup, make it quiet. Uh, I took a stick apart. Um, Some of the components I I sprayed in that same undercoating. Uh, The buckle on the strap, uh, I took it apart and I put it on there as well. Well, well, well. So we will see what happens. I'll definitely keep you posted. Look at Facebook for some of those uh, some of those updates, but I'll let you know here as well. Uh, Before we get into today's podcast, we're going to talk with Skip from Gearhead Archery about what makes their bows so accurate. 
I would have to say gearhead bows are so accurate um, because of the design of the riser being a center shot design. Uh, the string is uh, designed to be perfect between your riser plates. Um, and then also like your knock travel is perfect between your cams. So you have a true center shot design that can convert from right to left handed because everything is on center and you can just flip a grip and you can actually make it right to left handed as well. But the construction of that with the horizontal members with the side plates, it's not just bolted together <clears throat> with fasteners. It's actually a boss and pocket design. So the horizontal members have like an oval boss and the side plates have an oval pocket. So it's literally the structure becomes one and it's, it's I call it boss and pocket. Some people call it tongue and groove, but it's, it literally creates this, this shoot to riser design that is more accurate than anything on the market and it has no stresses. So like if you have a chunk of material and you machine material away, the stress of that material starts moving. So let's say I'm cutting a, a handle portion. The tops of my risers on a traditional bolt is going to move towards where I'm cutting the material. When you're, you're bolting two side plates together, it's just removing weight. There's no stresses to that. You, you bolt it together and then you load it up with your limbs and with a traditional, with a traditional bow, you have a cantilever load. So when you put, let's say 70 pound limbs on it, you don't know if your riser is going to move to the left or to the right. With our riser design, everything is dead center and it doesn't move left to right. You can also do this test at home. Take your, your bow, don't break it, but, but grab it by the, the outside of the riser and put your knee by the handle and look down on your dead end string stop. And when you put a little pressure, you'll see that your string is actually moving across your dead end string stop. And some of these bows don't take much. We're talking like 20, 30 pounds, and you can watch it move three quarters of an inch. On our bows, it doesn't move um, very little. You can, of course, if you get like big arms and you really start cranking, you can, you can see it move a little bit. But our riser is so strong in that center shot design. It's just super accurate, and that leads to super accurate shooting as well. If you guys want to find out more information, and I strongly suggest you do, go to gearheadarchery.com and uh, check out all the specs uh, of their product. Uh, I'm shooting the T30 aluminum this year, and I don't know. It's awesome. It, it, I, I don't know what to say. It's, uh, it's so unique. You guys just need to go out and give it a try. Go shoot it. Um, Go listen to the podcast that I've done with them uh, and just go to their social media, take a look and see what the buzz is about. Uh, other than that, uh, like I said, go to gearheadarchery.com, check them out and find out where the closest bow shop is that is carrying one of these bows. Um, it's definitely worth a drive to go test it out. Um, keep an eye out for maybe some uh, deer shows that are going to be in your area and maybe uh, Gearhead will be there as well but they do have a dealer locator uh, on their homepage at gearheadarchery.com check them out but today we're going to be talking with Tim from Prime Bows let's get into that now alright on the phone with me now from Prime Archery Tim Chekarowski how you doing Tim? I'm doing good Dan how are you? I'm doing. Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I'm even. I'm doing better now that I nailed your first name on the first try. <laughs> well, I do appreciate that. <laughs> well, um, today we're here and we're going to talk about Prime a little bit. But before we get into the company and the bow, 
how was your 2016 hunting season? You know, um, to be quite honest, could it could have been better. It was uh, a year with uh, close calls um, and a uh, little little bad luck and no uh, no success to speak of, unfortunately. What did you miss? Uh, yeah, there was there was one miss. I uh, kind of happens to all of us, but I'm, mm-hmm. I'm glad it was a glad it was a miss and not a not a wound. You know. Absolutely, yeah. We've all, we've definitely all been there before. Um, are you looking forward to this upcoming season? I am. Um, you know, I'm hoping uh, to, you know, have a a, a much better, a uh, little more luck this season, uh, and we'll uh, we'll see how that goes. Where uh, where do you do most of your hunting at? It's uh, local, uh, mostly uh, in uh, south uh, uh, southeast Michigan. Uh, okay, past. Uh, Past year, my uh, my wife and I we bought a uh, bought a house, and uh, actually two two and a half weeks ago now we had our uh, our firstborn. So uh, money's a little tight. So any hunting's going to be uh, local and on the uh, budget side, you know. Yeah, I uh, I'm I, for the listeners of the podcast, they know this already, but I have a my third child is due. Uh, September 28th, so that forced me to cancel an elk hunting trip that I had planned mm. this year to uh, be closer to home. But uh, I, I definitely, I'm definitely picking up what you're putting down. If that makes sense, <laughs> you know, there's gonna be plenty hunting seasons, but uh, you know, stuff like this. Uh, she's been an absolute joy and a blessing these uh, past two and a half weeks, and wouldn't uh, wouldn't trade it for anything. Absolutely. Do uh, so. So she's brand new. Yes. Oh, nice, nice. Is this your first kid? Yep, first kid. Congratulations, man! It's uh, well, thank you. It's uh, it's a game changer in many ways. Yeah, it is. I mean, you know, everyone. Uh, I think leading up to, I think anybody who has had a had a kid or kids of their own, I think that was probably the most common, uh, common uh, thing they told me. The game changer changes your world. Um, but you, you know, again, they wouldn't wouldn't trade for anything. So that was that was the advice and the expectation everyone was giving me. They weren't too far off. Right, right. So when let's let's say your daughter wasn't born this year, do you typically like to go on out to multiple states or go out to a western trip or anything like that? I do. Um, if it's not every year, I, I usually like to try to go every other year. Um, it's good to get uh, get out of state and see some different areas and just kind of have those different experiences. Um, you know, anybody that's hunting Michigan, um, unfortunately, I, I, much as I hate to say or, or bash on on the on our own state, but you know, our, our deer population's got uh, has a little work that needs to be done. Right. And so, uh, you know, for hunters uh, like myself that are fortunate enough and lucky enough to go out of state, it's really a uh, great experience to be out there and to, it, for lack of a better way to describe it, see deer do what they're supposed to do and react right. the way they're supposed to react. Right, right. Yeah, uh, yeah. you don't have to say that twice because uh, a lot of guys who listen to this podcast are from Michigan, so they, uh, they completely understand. Now, when you do go out uh, for, let's say, like a Western trip, uh, other than whitetails, is there anything specific that you're going after? No, I uh, elk hunt is certainly on the bucket list. Haven't had a a chance to you know do anything like that or plan one. Um, antelope, I've been uh, been out west for that, but that was a, a gun hunt. Um, right. But I would certainly do that one again. That was uh, 
a, uh, a fun time, but I would really like to do do a, a bow hunt next time. And the nice thing about that one is that I think I have the uh, the wife's blessing to go on that one because uh, we uh, one of our first uh, first times she came to visit my family, we uh, we were serving uh, you know antelope from uh, from that hunt, and she uh, she really liked that one. Oh, nice! Yeah. Awesome. That always helps. <laughs> When you tell the wife, hey, uh, I'm going to get groceries, I'll be gone for a week. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> All right. So, Tim, why don't you uh, tell us what your role is at, at Prime and uh, kind of what you take care of? Well, here at Prime, um, it's it's not just uh, Prime, as uh, some of your listeners and yourself may know. It's uh, Prime, it's G5, as well as uh, Quest uh, Archery kind of all of them under under one roof. Um, I act as the marketing specialist, which is, I guess, uh, kind of a nice way of saying I, I wear, uh, wear many hats. Um, right. On the uh, one side, I act as a liaison between uh, a lot of our uh, celebrities, between uh, like Remy Warren, um, Jason Matzinger, to name a few, and then on the G5 side, uh, the bone collectors. Uh, I work with them pretty closely, making sure that they have have what they need for upcoming hunts or, or shows and what have you. Um, I also work with, on the uh, Prime site, we have the uh, the Prime shooting team, uh, pro staff, as it were, for competition and for hunting. Um, I act as the manager for the team and, make, again, you know, kind of make sure everyone is uh, taken care of um, and everything is uh, where they, uh, or not so much everything, but that um, they have the, the bows and everything is, what they need and just provide a uh, kind of a support at the, uh, at the factory. Um, I also uh, head up a lot of the, uh, the social media avenues between Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and, you know, kind of making sure between posts and uh, responding to questions and taking care of, uh, you know, our customers uh, on that end, but as all as uh, also uh, promoting, you know, uh, the brands, the products um, right. uh, to the best of our abilities. Awesome. So, this is a random question I've never really asked before, but because you're a marketing guy and because we all know how the industry works, do you get a lot of requests every year from guys, you know, maybe similar to myself or, Hey, I got a, I got a YouTube channel. I kill big bucks. Uh, you want to sponsor me? Do, do all those, uh, requests come through you? Those come, if they're not coming directly to me, they're, they're handed off to me by uh, someone else, uh, in the company, and I, I get uh, a good handful, maybe a week. Um, so it it builds up over the year. Right, right. So uh, do you have to say no quite a bit in your job? I take it. Unfortunately, yes. I mean, that's uh, you know when you've got uh, you have a company, you you know what comes along with that is a budget, and you have to right. stick to that because you know if there if there's no budget, if you you know go go through everything, you know, it's hard to stay in business that way. Um, you know, we, we do our best to try and, uh, sort through all of the, um, all the applicants and the requests that we get, um, and try and deal with that in the best way that is going to be beneficial to both. Um, but you know, like you said, at, at times there, there's, uh, ends up being a lot more no's than there, there is a lot than there is yeses. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now getting back to prime the company, mm-hmm. uh, and the bows, where did it all start? Let, fill us in with a little company history. Whew, um, I would say um, probably close to 10 years ago. Now, the, the thing about Prime, Prime's been around for about seven, but as far as the bows go, um, 
you know, for for a time there, we were making bows actually for uh, for other companies between the uh, machining um, and the uh, the decorating part, and uh, so we had our our hands in the uh, you know in the process of making bows for for some time before deciding to introduce Prime. And the way the you know Prime Store goes is the uh, the engineers you know they've been designing broadheads and archery products for years, and what separates the company from a lot of the other companies, um, mostly in engineering, because and I, the reason I say engineering is because the parent company for Quest G5 and Prime is Grace Engineering, and this is, this company is a, a third-generation family-owned company, and they um, they got their name in the business by taking on jobs that most people weren't capable of uh, of handling, and not only did they, t- they take them on, but they did them you know, as as well as they possibly could. And what that in turn came to is when they decided to make the bow, they weren't going to make just another bow. They wanted to make a bow that was the best out there in quality and performance. Now they, so what they did was by holding their bows to very strict tolerances and um, as well as inspection process before the bow even goes out the door, they're able to guarantee that the archer is going to have a better experience than they would with a competitor of ours because this way they know that that bow is can be performing at its top level, and it's going to make the experience the archer has even more enjoyable. Right. So this company uh, started off as a machining company or just uh, a manufacturing company. That's right. As a, as a machining company, okay. um, the uh, they were uh, machining, you know, uh, a, uh, medical equipment. Uh, long before um, making uh, anything archery related, and so they're very familiar with the you know intricate parts and how to you know machine and manufacture them very well. Nice, nice. So that's kind of where they started. Now, the from the bow standpoint, did they decide to start making archery equipment because they were also hunters and bow hunters at that or was it just they saw an opportunity and decided to capitalize on it i think it was a little i would say a little bit of both uh the the company the between the the brothers and their father the graces uh the, the family that um owns the company they were uh, bow hunters for for quite some time and they looked at the process they were using to design and build the um the other parts that they're making the metal equipment and thought well why don't we make you know uh, a broadhead, and that's that was their first uh, accessory and first step into the archery industry. And so gotcha. between the accessories came first, and then the uh, the bows uh, those you know followed shortly after. Right. Okay. So when they decided, hey, we want to build a bow, uh, do you happen to know any of the conversations that took place? You know, we don't want to build just another bow. We want to shoot, or we want to build the best possible bow. Period. Um, I mean, what kind of conversations did they have when they decide, you know, at that initial launching point or decision point where they said, hey, we're going to be a bow manufacturer now? Um, what did they do that was, you know, what was what was that conversation like of how they were actually going to be different from everything else that was on the market? Well, uh, hopefully when, uh, you know, when they, they hear this, uh, this podcast, they don't, uh, you know, say I'm putting words in their mouth, but just based on what I've been, uh, been told in the past was they, uh, they looked at the problems that, uh, other uh, manufacturers were, were having in their bows. They, 
they would take a look at you know just a, a random competitor and say this is a problem this is a problem how can we and how can we do better and one of the biggest things um i think and believe it they came to was was the idea of cambling it was a uh, problem um in other bows that you know the uh, the cams both top and bottom had a in, um just an inherent movement when the uh bow is going through a draw cycle as well as a shot sequence and they're looking for ways to reduce that movement to make the bow essentially a more accurate uh, system right. it was uh, the idea and the design behind that was to to make the archer more like a machine um, you can put any bow into a, um, a shooting machine and you're going to hit the bullseye every time and you're going to have tight groups but once you kind of put that add that human element into it you know, those um, flaws that we find in, you know, the other bows, both, uh, like I said, with cam lean as well as riser movement, those can be amplified. So right. by the design of the, the uh, parallel cam uh, technology, as well as, you know, engineering a riser that has zero to, to, you know, no movement at all, it was a way of making the archer more uh, of a machine in, in how they were shooting. Okay. Now, was that dual cam system... Uh, on the top and the bottom, or I guess four total cams. Was that on the original model uh, when they started all this? Yes, the original models were the Prime Shift and Centroid, and those were the uh, the bows that started with the uh, parallel cam technology. Right. Okay. Now, have you been with this company since then? I have not. I, I'm okay. coming up on my four years here. Okay. So do you happen to know when they introduced something you know because introducing four cams on a bow in a market with i think back then had the only new thing as far as cams were uh were uh would be like the solo cam right one cam uh, but, i would but actually not uh cut you off there at that time there was uh probably the newest technology out there um was the uh, uh binary cam system which was uh two cams um, but with a ca the cable was no longer anchored to the limbs on either. Right. It was anchored to the opposing cam. Right. right. Okay. Okay. So that technology, and then all of a sudden prime comes to the game with four cams on their bows. Um, what was the initial reaction to the consumer base when they first launched and, and everybody is like, Hey, did you see that bow with four cams? I would, I wish I could say the, the the reaction was positive, but I think it was met with more of a uh, shock and a surprise. Um, it, it can be intimidating, and even you know myself, I, I spent six years um, as a manager at a uh, you know professional archery shop. Um, you look at the system, you know, on a first glance, and if uh, it's it wasn't surprising that you know the first thought was that's got to be you know a pain in the butt to work on, right? But once you you know kind of dive in, it's surprisingly easy because it's a, um, as I mentioned before, it's a binary cam system, just with another layer to it because it's splitting the string uh, the string track, so there's just a the cables are going into the middle of the cam rather than being exposed on the outside. Okay, so then, you know, someone looks at that who you know, and this is for all industries. There's a norm, right? And then that norm is broken by another product and people think 
and that's just how people are. They think they're trying to be tricked. They think they're being tricked by their say because, oh, hey, see that bow uh, prime put out? It's yeah, it's just another gimmick, you know. Because typically the especially in the hunting industry, I think there was a time where people have been fed shit for so long. Anything new, even if it was backed by science, was considered a gimmick. Right. The you know and. It's kind of something that the, the team looked into. It, it wasn't something that's it's introduced a, a gimmick. Um, they didn't want to just put us out in the market and say, you know, go go have fun. It was, you know, they they spent the time, they did the research um, on their system, and between prototype after prototype, they they took the measurements and they really did the homework when it came to you know uh, designing and engineering this bow before unveiling it. The nice thing about it is. Um, it turned out that it wasn't just a gimmick. It wasn't something that, that looked flashy and nice. We, you know, right from the get-go on the two original bows, the Shift and the Centroid, um, people noticed right right away when it started came to shooting. They were, um, you know, really flying in to tell us, like, how, how well they're shooting now. Their scores are going up, and that they're, they're, the distance that they're comfortable, comfortable with hunting is becoming, uh, you know, much further than it was, you know, on the bows prior. So that was a, you know, really good boost of confidence to, to show that um, we did, you know, we did things right. Right. So for all the listeners out there, and and you you touched on it briefly, but tell us from a from a efficiency, from a innovation design standpoint, what does four cams do for the archer? Well, it's. Um, you know, it's it's hard to even call them four cams because they're they're sandwiched together um, with a uh, string track on the outside, and then the cables actually ride on the same track on the inside. So that uh, the goal behind that is to reduce cam lean, both in the draw cycle as well as the shot sequence. We want everything going right down the middle and not deviating, you know, one way or the other, both you know left or right or up and down, and what that does is it creates a perfectly level knock travel. And so that really helps with accuracy because by keeping everything going straight down the middle, it allows the uh, archer just to be that much more accurate with it and to have that much more confidence in the shot. It really, like, I think uh, one, uh, one thing I remember um, at a show someone telling me is it helps make those, um, those shots that felt bad, but you don't have the, the real bad results. Like you, helps uh, get you to that spot but not uh forgiveness forgiveness exactly yeah okay they uh so, they, in engineering they don't honestly they don't like that term because they they can't measure forgiveness so i have right, to try and right. come up with uh, another way of describing it. but you're <laughs> those damn engineers. you know when, when you're sitting there talking with uh you know guys across the table that's you know forgiveness uh, i think ring, rings home a lot better and uh than uh than some science uh technical term absolutely absolutely so then you you know, it helps prevent camling. Mm-hmm. It helps prevent um, vertical knock travel. Travel. Mm-hmm. So by eliminating those two things, you're putting an advantage, uh, more of an advantage towards the the actual shooter. Correct. Correct. It's it's providing a balance um, between the shooter and the bow. Um, right. You know, mo- most systems um, they they've tried to uh, to eliminate. Uh, camling, but unfortunately, it's you know when the the cable when their cables and strings are set up in, in such a way, 
it's pretty much unavoidable. Um, right. Binary cams, for example, um, have you know the string track on one side, but two cables on the other, so it's it's unbalanced that way. Um, other cam systems will have a uh, you know string track as well as cable track, but also have the cable anchor to the limb, and that has it's um, you you may it may be nice because the um, the cables you can you know twist up one side or the other to straighten that cam, but then you come back to the cable being anchored to the limb, and now you have you know a concern of timing. Right, right. So when you guys you know when they were playing around with this right um what were some of the do you happen to know some of the uh, the biggest obstacles that they had to overcome before they released it to the public i think the um really the obstacle that to overcome was the, that initial impression on it um just looking at the system and not you know seeing it as a uh, difficult system to work with um you know when it came in down to the design process uh, there was, uh, you know, just the, between the prototypes and the, you know, working with, uh, uh, different bow hunters, different, uh, you know, competitive archers to find out what worked. Um, it was, they, again, they did their homework to, to find out what, uh, needs to be done and what's, uh, you know, going to help make this, uh, an accept- acceptable system. Right. Okay. Now, like you said, uh, you introduce something like this, it's going to, it takes, there's a learning curve. You have to, uh, a company like Prime then has to educate the end user of why this is uh, such a good bow um, and, and the benefits that come with it. What was that like? That was, um, it was tough. It, it took some time, um, you know, because it was, you know, the, the unique thing about the uh, archery community is it, it's so much, you know, buddies telling buddies. Right. That it was so important for us to go to to the trade shows, to uh, different events, having a presence there, so that you know we could talk to consumers directly, and really give them the lowdown on on the product and and how it works. Um, you know, it it also boiled down to our uh, our sales force and our um, you know rep team going to the different dealers and presenting it to them so that they you know would be able in turn to answer questions they would receive as dealers. Okay. And, uh, you know, you introduce the bow, you got some dealers, the bows go out, they come back. What was that, uh, over time, you know, there's maybe through forums or through, you know, word of mouth or however, um, that, you know, prime starts getting talked about what was some of that initial feedback coming back to the company uh from the end user it was uh you know it was certainly positive i i think that the, the thing that was the most common uh comment or uh you know what people were talking about were, were how easy the bows were to tune um you know a number of companies and you know us included we kind of have that you know formula to say you know start you know with your arrow uh, this far away from the riser, start with this, you know, not, you know, knocking point, and or actually we we said you know start with a level knocking point and um, and then go from there. And it, it was great to see the uh, between the comments and you know talking with people at at different events and you know tournaments and whatever people saying it, it how how much lo- time or how much less time excuse me it took for them to tune in their bow 
compared into compared to other bows to their buddy's bow or just you know their bows prior right okay and uh and then from there it just you know from there it's just it's growing um so you know stepping away from your cam system what about what about the riser what about the limbs um was there anything crazy outside of the box that you know that you guys wanted to make sure that you accomplished um i mean obviously the the cam system's innovative it's new it's unique it's probably what's going to get the most talked about but were there any other uh parts of the bow that um that you wanted to make sure people were aware of that you know kind of went hand in hand with the cam system i think the the part of the bow that you know, had a tendency to get overlooked uh, simply because it's hard to, you know, get past the cams was the riser. Um, right. With the original primes, they introduced a, a new aluminum alloy, uh, 70, uh, 7,000 series aluminum. And most bows uh, at that time were using, uh, with the exception of a, a carbon riser, most bows were using the 6,000 series aluminum. Okay. And Reason being is that uh, the 6000 series is an easier material to work with. You can do do a lot with it, but what we were finding is that the between knock travel as well as cam lean, it's not just fixing one point and you know it, it takes care of the problem. The bow itself is a system, and from cam to ta- cam, between the cam, the limbs, the riser, even the uh, the cable guard itself, all of those play into into effect on how level of a knock travel you're going to have. And so when they introduced uh, the you know prime with the risers at 7000 series, they introduced a riser that was traditionally a heavier riser, but what they're able to do was take more material away but keep the riser stiffer. So the goal for using that material was to reduce riser movement uh both again in the draw cycle and the shot sequence. Right. And so it was another um, part of the puzzle that, you know, essentially worked together to make the bow better as a whole. Okay. And, um, and then any, anything else outside of the riser? The flexus guard was a uh, major one as well. The, um, it was a uh, item developed by the team that is uh, similar to the roller guard system, but the arm itself flexes it much like the limb of a bow. Uh, what they had found uh, was that at certain points, the, the, uh, what receives the most tension switches from the string to the cables. And with a uh, cable rod system, they were finding that it, more torque was actually introduced into the cables because it wasn't allowing the cables to um, release that uh, tension and it, more torque was going into the bow. So gotcha. with the Flexus system, it allowed the pressure that was transferred from the string to the cables in the shot sequence. Um, so it helped reduce torque um, on the bow. And, you know, again, it's another thing that really, you know, working together came, came together to uh, make the bow a more accurate system. All right. So time went time goes on a little bit um and prime slowly be, you know gets a foothold in the industry um what were some of the conversations and, and now this might be you know getting closer to when you worked there but uh 
you know, what kind of conversations were had at that table, you know, when marketing and engineering and, and management all come in and, you know, they're brainstorming about what needs to happen next. Uh, what were some of those conversations like? What were some of the areas that uh, the company felt that they needed to address, not because their bow needed it, not because the bow needed it, but because, you know, just like any company, you want to continuously improve. And I think the, the, the tough thing is, um, what was basically the question is, um, what do we do next? Um, right. You know, the, the, with uh, bow hunting and the archery industry in general, it's getting tougher and tougher to, you know, create or invent something that's, you know, brand new and to, to the industry. Because um, there's, you know, when you, when you have a, with, with a bow, a broadhead, it's, it's difficult to, to keep improving on it from year to year. And the conversation, um, you know, just kept going from, you know, what do we currently have and, you know, how, how can we improve it? Because if you're, you know, if you're not going to improve, then, you know, what are you, what are you doing really? It's, uh, right. so when it, when it came from, you know, the original, uh, two bows, the shift and the centroid, it started, um, okay, well, let's, let's start looking into target, uh, archery and, we uh, started working with uh, with a uh, world class uh, archer Dave Cousins, and he was able to bring a lot of knowledge to the table to help with the bow design that would be popular and uh, appealing to a lot of the target archers at that time. And so it transformed into the uh, the Prime One, and that was our first uh, shot at the uh, the target market. It did. It did well, and it was a great start to our, uh, you know, expansion from just, you know, not just bow hunting, but also into target archery. Because it came to a point, it was like, you know, for for the U.S., I mean, bow hunting is, is the bigger industry. It's uh, definitely um, uh, a larger industry than target archery, but if you want to expand and, you know, move outside the U.S., um, target archery is, is probably much bigger than, or certainly is much bigger than, uh, than bow hunting. Um, right. Europe alone, it's, uh, the uh, ratio is uh, flip-flop compared to the U S when it comes to target archers to, uh, bow hunters. Right. So with the, uh, the one and then, uh, transition into, uh, other bows, it, it came into, um, just the team looking for, um, what's, what was working with the bow and, but also what could be improved. Um, you know, one of the things that uh, I know the engineers keep referring to and keep looking back at is is that riser movement. They're always looking for ways to, whether it's the design of the riser itself or the material, how can we um, keep cutting back on any movement in the uh, the riser itself? And uh, not last year, but the year before, they introduced uh, an alloy or a material for the riser uh, called 82X. And it was similar to the 7000 series aluminum in that it um, had very little movement. It had less movement, in fact, than the 7000 series aluminum, but it was a lighter material. So we were able to, you know, put more material back into the bow by keeping the weight down, but also further reducing movement. So it was a nice uh, benefit, you know, that we were able to find that material. Was that then a uh, a goal to... uh eliminate any hand shock yeah that was a, an added benefit uh, the material itself um it was a natural vibration dampening as well as sound 
So it was nice that it, it took uh, took those away for us. It you know it was something. It was kind of a when we put the bow together when it was and then we found out hey this this bow actually has less noise and less vibration. So it was uh, you know a, a very uh, nice blessing in disguise as it were. Okay. So I'm going to backtrack just a bit. Go back to the cams mm-hmm. and uh, talk about that preventing cam lean. We talked about that the the cam system does prevent cam lean but how does it prevent cam lean well with our system we found uh again we looked at everyone else and we've, we found that the balance system it usually entailed you know the there was always a two on one side with one on the other and it was just a um a battle to, to figure out like what's the best way to keep that cam you know moving straight both in the shot sequence as well as uh, the draw cycle. And the thing that we found was um, by putting the cables going right down the center of the cams and then splitting the string, we were able to create a system that, you know, was much straighter up and down in, in its movement compared to any other system that we had been able to test. Right. Okay. So now... And then the end result is what we what we know as prime today. Um, so when you guys are kind of, you know, you're improving every year, you're coming out with something uh, different every year or, or, t- or not necessarily coming out with something new, but tweaking the, the technology that you do have to perform at the highest optimal uh, conditions. Mm-hmm. I talked with someone a while back, had a pretty cool conversation with him, just a random guy about the archer, the, the archery in, industry, bows specifically reaching some kind of plateau, right? Where it becomes less about the technology and more about the marketing of whatever quote unquote new idea that the company comes up there, uh, comes up with next year you know, the, the next year and the next year, because as you, as we all know, we see at the ATA show every year, every company tries to come out with a new bow almost every year. Um, and do you feel that there is some kind of plateau that can be reached or is, is there just break breakthroughs coming that are going to be coming, you know, down the pipe? Well, as a manufacturer, I certainly hope there isn't a, a plateau. I'd really like us to, you know, keep uh, keep going and keep, uh, you know, uh, manufacturing and providing the archer with uh, uh, a product they're going to be, uh, you know, very happy with. Um, I know from a consumer standpoint, I mean, the the question comes up like how how could they possibly improve on this? How can how can they possibly do better than this for next year? And you know, like I said, it's it's uh, it's such a um, it's it's a goal of every every manufacturer to to do just that. The you know nice thing and probably one of the you know like for for Prime um, this this year in particular, we like to consider it's it's been a, a breakout year for us, and that was with the introduction of the the new bows, uh, the Synergy series. Right. And the the hype at the ATA show was uh, we th- we think was re- we really. Not so much to think, but we 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 know is real because of uh, the results. We introduced uh, at our at our prime booth in the shooting lanes uh, the 20 second challenge, where um, consumers were able to try out the uh, 
the Synergy bows um, and see just how steady they would be with uh, these bows compared to you know any other bow that was available on the market. And the reason behind the uh, you know the success of the bow was the center grip technology. Right. And center grip technology is, is something that's been it's been tried before. Um, it's been done. Unfortunately, it didn't really um, have uh, quite the takeoff because it's it was difficult to tune. Um, and we we found a way that by uh, adjusting and changing the cams on the bows, we were able to um, now only keep a uh, platform that will keep you the most steady you'll, you'll ever be at full draw, but also uh, keeping the accuracy as you know even better than it has been. Um, level knock travel uh, we, between what we've done our, ourselves as well as a few independent testers, um, so, some of our uh, our fans as well as uh, um, team members sent us links from uh, some YouTube uh, channels about um, guys that will uh, kind of working out of their their own shop will with a laser and uh, and their own tools uh, yeah. test out bows and you know see how level you know. You know, you could say level dock travel, but these guys are going to find out just how level it is. Right. And we were very happy with the results from uh, some independent studies about like just how well the, these bows are performing. Yep, and that's that's something cool. I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to mention it. Um, compared to, uh, and I'll give prime props on this. Uh, I watched uh, I watched some of those videos and okay. compared to a lot of the big name brands on the market, you guys performed very well compared to you know the other big dogs that, uh, especially on the vertical knot travel type of uh, tests that that were done with the laser, blew blew the other big names out of the water. Yeah, we were. I mean, because that was the biggest thing was was knot travel. I mean, you can. You know, you can make the center grip on the bow. That'll be great. But when it comes down to it, it's 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 more than just you know putting that together. There's other parts and other pieces that have to come together in order to achieve that. So, right. um, you know, you'll you know you'll notice between the the Synergy series bows compared to you know last year's model, the uh, the Rise, um, the cam systems, they're a little different. Still got the parallel cam technology, but we had to make them different in order to achieve that, so that these bows became as forgiving. There's that word again, um, as, uh, as they can be. Right. Okay. So now I'm kind of looking at your website here and we mm -hmm. see the synergy, um, the synergy air and the synergy hybrid. What are, what are some of the, uh, similarities and differences between those bows? Well, the, I guess the similarity would be, um, all three have the center grip technology and all three have the, uh, Parallel uh, cam uh, setup. The differences between them are um, are going to be in the uh, the weight, the speed, as well as the axle axle. Um, the Synergy and Synergy Air are 33 inches axle axle, and then the Hybrid is 35. But the Hybrid is the faster bow. It's rated for 335 res uh, feet per second, as well as the Air and the standard Synergy are rated at 330 per second um the air and this and this um regular synergy have a seven and a quarter inch brace site i'm sorry six and three quarters the hybrid has a six inch brace site so that's where it's getting some of the speed from okay 
No, and that's one thing that I, I noticed, um, you know, the brand Prime. It, it doesn't seem like you guys care that much about speed um, like some of the other companies that are out there. And that trend maybe seems to be dying down a little bit in the industry. But for a while there, it was all, hey, guess what? You know, I, my my arrow can shoot 500 miles an hour, right? <laughs> right. So is that something that crosses your guys' mind at all? Or is it just, hey, we're going to come out with the most accurate bow possible, and if it's fast, it's fast? That crosses our mind mostly because we get a lot of requests for it. Um, that's probably, um, I think, a uh, you know one of the more common requests I see from consumers is how come Prime doesn't come out with a speed bow? And I actually, I think uh, yesterday I was having a conversation with a customer about this. Um, you know, the term speed bow usually refers to bows that are in the, you know, range of 350 feet per second, even uh, like closer to, you know, 340 might be on the slower side. Yeah, I mean, you know, when it comes to IBO rating, we're, we're a little bit uh, um, on the slower side. But what the, uh, the team had find, found out was um, by making their cam system more efficient, we're actually, you know, pretty comparable to our competitors. Um, the old rule of thumb is for every inch of drawing that you lose, or take away rather, you're losing about 10 feet per second. So, um, again, that 350, um, feet, let's use a 350 feet per second bow, is that rated at 30 inch draw, but at 29, on paper, it should be 340. Um, with our technology and our cam efficiency, we were finding that we were losing less feet per second per inch of draw, um, and actually right around um, six, uh, to be precise, feet per second for every inch taken away. So at a, at a point, you know, right around 28 um, to 27, we're right there with the uh, the other uh, other guys when it comes to the speed of the bow. So those archers that are looking for a fast bow. Um, in their hunting bow, in their com- competition bow, they're going to find that they're going to have a um, quite a bit more speed than they may have uh, thought if uh, at, a, at a shorter draw length. Right. Okay. So are all the cam designs the same, or is some of the uh, um, are, or are there differences? As the cams are uh, drawing specific, and that's actually the reason we were able to keep uh, that efficiency as high as it was. Um, other okay. systems that rely on a modular-based system um, are more susceptible because they're designed around the longer, um, longer draw length. Um, so once you introduce something that doesn't allow the cam to roll over as far as it was designed to, it's uh, cutting back on uh, efficiency as well as its speed. Right. Okay. Now, the future of Prime. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we talked about a little bit about that plateau. We talked a little bit about, um, you know, making sure that you guys continue to, uh, you know, re- or refine what you already have. What, what do you guys see as the future? Um, are you, any new, cra- like completely different designs coming out? Anything like a crossbow or, or um, are you just going to stick with what works and continue to refine it? And, uh, you know, I don't know. Well, uh, I can't, um, I can't speak for the engineering team mostly because I guess there's a reason they don't tell me 
um, as much uh, until uh, later in the season when uh, once they have kind of the ideas finalized. Right. But um, no, they're going to continue with the uh, with the bows um, that they have been uh, making. Um, they're going to continue to improve on it uh, the best they can. Uh, you know, like with the Synergy series, they introduced uh, um, the, uh, the what they're calling the swerve, which is a curve in the bottom part of the riser. The idea on that was to further reduce uh, you know any movement in the riser itself by mimicking the bottom portion of the riser with the with the top portion. Um, where the uh, like where the riser is cut out for the site. So by finding out that this helps to reduce uh, riser movement, they're going to continue that trend into uh, their future bows um, for for next year, both in hunting bows as well as target bows is the goal. Nice. And then and then moving forward, is it? I mean, is there a, a direction the company in general is going? You know, it's uh, you know. Up, up is the uh, is the goal. Uh, we want to be, um, you know, really, you know, improving. But the they want to be the technology technology leaders of the industry, and the the belief and the the hope on that is that uh, sales will follow because you know it's it's important not to you know get too wrapped up into gimmicks and, and little things. You know, if uh, the technology is there, the you know. Your your uh, your bow hunters, your competitive archers, they're they're smart people. They they know what's uh, what works, what's and what's the best for them. And so, um, we we believe that following the technology is is the way to go. Right. Yeah, we did a what did we do? We did a at this last ATA show. I had my buddy Ryan. He went to almost every booth and shot almost every new bow that was released on mm-hmm. the entire market. And based off his, uh, what he liked, and, you know, this is just from his standpoint, Prime made his quote-unquote cream of the crop list. (laughs) So um, it was Prime Prime Gearhead and then one other one that I can't. um, But he's like, if he had to pick between two bows, it was going to be a Gearhead or a Prime. So, um, so he, uh, so yeah, for, for, uh, for another another non-biased test, you guys came out uh, pretty good. So, oh, glad um, to hear that. So now, you know, we're getting to that time of year where I guess the hardcore guys probably already have their bows picked out if they're going to be getting something new. But for anybody out there that maybe uh, is still looking at a bow and you know is trying to decide what bow to uh, what bow to shoot or what bow to actually purchase, what would you like to say to that guy? I think the the best thing I, I can tell them is the same thing I, I told my customers when I worked at the at archer shop is try don't try just one bow out. Try try a couple. You know, that's that's gonna be your best way to figure out what bow you are the most comfortable with and the, what bow you're gonna like the best. And at that point, don't be afraid to ask the, the dealer, you know, any question um that that you may have um I, I think one thing that i thought got that slipped up or missed uh, when i worked in the shop was you know how how easy is this bow to to shoot and to tune because i, I think on average um a lot of times a you know a, a typical you know setup is you know or process is customer comes into the store 
you know, tries out a bow or a few bows at, you know, with not much more than the rest that's been thrown on at a 10 yard or further, you know, uh, bale and the bow draws nice, the bow shoots nice. And then it's like, okay, let's set it up. But I guess uh, the big thing to, you know, always remember is that, you know, it's, it's not going to be, you know, just, you're not going to be just, you know, blank bale shooting. You're going to be shooting this, you know, bow, you know, and hunting, you're going to be competing with this bow if you, you know, decide to, or just shooting in your backyard. You're going to want a bow that is, uh, that you can count on, that is forgiven for you and uh, is uh, something you can put your uh, your trust in and, you know, be guaranteed that that bow is going to be, you know, stay accurate and, you know, when it, when the moment of truth comes that you can count on it. So it's important to know that, you know, I guess uh, that, uh, that a bow can tune and that it'll stay tuned. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well... Tim, um, any last words? Hey, I just want to say thanks again for uh, for having me, and uh, I want to wish uh, all the uh, all your listeners and everybody good luck this season. Yeah, same to you, and uh, congratulations again for uh, the new uh, addition to your family. Oh, thank you very much. And there you have it. Huge shout out to Tim from Prime for coming on the show and talking about their bows. Huge shout out to all of you who downloaded and listened. Thank you very much. Uh, Keep those downloads coming. And uh, I really appreciate your guys' support. Huge shout out to the partners of this podcast, Wasp Archery, Exodus Trail Cameras. By the way, the Lift 2s are out. Go pick one up. Ripcord, Arrow Rests, Deer Lab, Bighorn Outfitters, Lone Wolf, Ozonics, and gearhead again thank you guys for all your support um without the partners this is less likely and uh you guys all know the story go to itunes leave a review uh whether or not you think this podcast is garbage or if you really like it uh i welcome everybody and uh Check me out on all social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Keep an eye out for when we do the uh, Facebook live events, the happy hours. And um, what else, what else, what else? Oh, go sign up to become a member of the National Deer Alliance. I'm going to be asking a favor from all of you in the very near future. And I would like as much support as humanly possible. And if you're going to be in a tree, hanging tree stands this weekend, please wear your damn safety harness. Have a good weekend.